Hello, and welcome back to Falling Out. As ever, I am your host, Elgin Strait, and I have an update after last week's episode. I'm hoping that you listened to that with Enrica Christopher. In that episode, amongst many other things, Rika mentioned that when she was at a point in her early life, someone befriended her, and that person later disappeared into the Unification Church's hellhole of a supposed hospital in Chungpyong, Korea. This was in the early 2000s, for the record. That person disappeared, Rika lost touch with her, and has been wondering what happened to her ever since she disappeared into that hospital. Until less than nine hours after publishing the first part of her interview, Rico was contacted by that person. That person's alive. Her name is Gloria, and I've been in contact with both Rika and Gloria since then. I'm going to tell you first some of what Rika told me via text. Um, yeah, I mean, Rika texted me in the middle of the night, my time. I, I'll, I'll, I won't read all of this, but um, God, this is incredible uh, from her. I literally started crying last night when I realized who she was and that she was alive. I thought about her so much over the years and always wondered what happened to her. Fuck me. Um, damn. And they were reunited as a result of this show. Fuck yes. I'm going to pull up a message from, from Gloria. So um, this is actually written to both Rika and I. Uh, hey, Enrica and Elgin. I just want you guys to know that it was really healing listening to the episode and finding out that Enrico was the girl I met in GOP. That's the name for the Unification Church's program in Korea. I am so happy to know someone actually remembered me as a nice person there, and it was healing to know that someone cared about me. Thank you, guys. I also think I just wanted to erase all these memories of the GOP program out of my brain, so it is slowly coming back to me with some anxiety. It was not fair how we were treated. I know that I broke their rules, but they did not care about my feelings and asked me so many questions that made me feel ashamed of myself. And I was just 13 or 14, and I think they put me into this situation of thinking about death. It was dangerous. I'm just going to pause here for a second and let that sink in. This is a girl who, at the age of 13 or 14, was pushed towards suicidal ideations by the Unification Church. That's what this is is saying it goes on i had to do 120 days i assume that means 120 days in the church's mass beating ceremonies in korea i had to see daemonim who was the leader of that that whole shithole and she told me i have terrible evil spirits can you imagine saying that to a 13 14 year old girl how fucking awful are these people Jesus fucking Christ. Um, I Anyway, I'm just so happy to be in the middle of this, to be, as much as I hate those motherfuckers, by the way, I want to say I'm delighted to be here and doing this and seeing this sort of reunion. These people that meant something to each other nearly 20 years ago, and now they're getting in contact after thinking the worst could have happened to to one another. This is this is remarkable. I'm so so happy to be here um doing this. Um and then Rika goes to Gloria. I'm just so happy you're alive. Fuck. 
Fuck me. Oh, Jesus. I'm just so happy you're alive. Um, yeah, Gloria, I'm happy you're alive too. And I'm happy to be here having this conversation with you guys. Holy shit. It's, uh, happy doesn't even describe it. It's a privilege and an honor to be here doing this and be in the center of something like that happening. Okay, let's switch gears and talk about this week's episode. Uh, this is part two with Rika. And I have to say, we just talked about suicidal ideations briefly, and that is a theme that comes up in this episode. So prepare yourself for that potential trigger. We also talk about child sexual abuse in this episode. So again, consider yourself warned. It's not all doom and gloom, though. There are some very lighthearted moments in here. There's a whole chicken coop detective scenario happening in real time, which is hilarious. Uh, we talk about the ins and outs of the flower racket. And we also talk about some specific mental health recommendations for people who grew up in cults. And I have to say, again, I'm delighted to be here doing this and I'm looking forward to seeing what other connections can be made in the future. Thank you, Rika, for getting involved. Here it is, part two with Rika Christopher. Um, um, all right, so we're so we're we're uh, we're, we're we're lubricated. Um, <laughs> yes. So uh, so wait wait oh yeah we were talking fuck talking about sexual assault. Yes. <laughs> um. So yeah. So my first year that I was there, um, it was some something happened. It was a sexual assault that happened, but they could not figure out who it was, if it was <laughs> even like somebody within the building, and. I remember it was like such a big deal for like a few days. Um, I don't know if the girl got sent home. I think it was a Japanese, one of the Japanese girls. Okay. Um, and it, they started locking the doors after that. So prior okay. to this, the doors in the dorm were not locked. What so you go had this in and out place with like 70 kids and anyone could yes. walk in off the street just yes. to go in. Jesus yes. Christ. And I think what maybe the they closed the gate, like the gate, like the main gate. Yeah. But then like the actual doors to the building were not locked. And I Whoa, remember after crazy. this they started chaining up the doors and locking Whoa. them with a padlock. So it's like, if there was a fire, it's there would be no in. way to get out. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. So I remember that. Um, and it was very much swept under the rug. It was sort of like a, like, we don't want people to know. Like, yeah, of course not. About right? it. Like, yeah. we can't let other kids know. Um, it was like a hush-hush thing. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah, there was a lot that went on there. Um, wow. Let's see. So then, I think that's all I remember from that there. But um, I we moved on to UTS after. Holy shit! You've been, <laughs> you've you've lived in all the hot places. So you just, you got all the hits, all the mini hits. <laughs> Jesus Christ! So, what the fuck? So- <laughs> Um, so my dad actually he was looking for a new no, job. No, okay, but you're missing the New Yorker. 
You need them. You, yeah, you I have know. Them live there. I know. Yeah, yeah. 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 I think you're 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 you're, uh, you're a little too young <laughs> to have come from there. Um, my dad um he was looking for a new job because he was like i can't deal with 70 kids anymore so they hired you know they hired new dorm parents and my dad was doing the overlap thing with them and um he was still like looking actively needed a job he was about to go to gaza gaza Um, yeah yeah he was about to go to gaza Gaza. because, because the church had actually started doing some like peace work this was early 2000s so things weren't like super super bad they were still like you know you'd get shot if you like walked over near the border from the from the israeli side but um so he was gonna take a job as a teacher in one of these like international schools run by the church in gaza um and and my dad's my dad's jewish too and i don't know what would possess him to (laughs) to do that um but the church has schools in gaza they did okay my friend the friend that i mentioned before who was like i don't know if this guy's real she her dad actually ended up taking one of the jobs that they had there and he had to leave within within six months because there were too many bomb threats too many whoa you know like he he couldn't safely be there yeah so so my dad was very close to like taking that and then last minute he heard back from uts that they needed somebody to work in their um, admissions and uh, I think recruitment um, departments. And Whoa. so he took the job there. Yeah. When was he there in, in UTS admissions? 2004 onward. He still works there. He must have overlapped with my mother-in-law. Well, my ex-mother-in-law. Did you live in UTS? Yes not in the building we lived at did did you ever go on the grounds yeah i've been there a few times okay harvest house i don't know i don't know the name okay so basically it is this refurbished chicken coop um dude i think my ex-wife used to live in the chicken coop i think she lived there i think she lived in the fucking chicken like this long building that clearly looks like a chicken coop hold on i'm gonna text her right now hold on wait hold on i literally hopefully she gets back hopefully she's not asleep that's so funny. Yo, d- did you live in the chicken coop? <laughs> <laughs> At UTS. Okay. <laughs> Let's see what she says. <laughs> um, okay. Hold on. This would be hilarious if she got back. She might, uh, she might be asleep. Um, <laughs> um, holy sh- cause So my ex-wife's mother was at UTS in the admissions department. Um, I think for like 02 to 05, maybe, maybe 02 to like end of 04, something That's like that. Wrong. No. Okay. So I think so. Okay. Yeah. I think they lived in the fucking chicken coop. That's so funny. I think they did. Oh man, I wish. <laughs> I, hopefully, she'll get back to me, dude. I think. To, I think. To, I think. There was a, were you like the family on the other side of the chicken coop from my ex-wife? Possibly. I mean, okay, so <laughs> so there was there was a few like you know buildings on the property, and they were okay. all run down. They were all terrible. So um, mm. we were like tour. Like there was this loop, right? that you like that went around the campus okay 
and we were at the end of the loop and okay. the president was on this like actual house that was like halfway. let me guess he's korean no yeah. oh okay he was american at that point oh um, very interesting was okay the- it was like a yep. big name i remember they, they were kind of like a big deal yeah yes yeah. yeah so um so he lived there and then there was this house called the apple cottage across from us and then there was the chicken coop that they split into like a duplex sort of you know i remember hearing about the duplex yeah yeah yeah. and so that place um oh my gosh that was (laughs) i remember when we first moved to barrytown when we first moved to uts we were living actually in the uts building because um Mm -hmm. because oh and sorry i I should say uts is a unification theological seminary yes Unification Theological Seminary. It was bought in like the 30s from the Christian brother, Brothers. Well, um, no, the, the, the UC didn't buy it in the 30s. The UC would bought it in like the 70s. Oh, or okay, like okay, yeah. But it was, I think it was built then. In Maybe the built 30s. in the 30s, yeah. Built in the 30s yeah. on this old property of the Aspen Walls, which was, you know, like one of the, the high names in America. Okay. Along with like Rockefeller and like okay. all these other big oil tycoons. All right. Um, yeah, so there was like the Messina house was like the mansion, like the original okay. 1800s mansion. Um, and so we lived, um, I lived at one point in that house too, in the Messina mansion. And then I lived also in the UTS building in these like tiny little rooms. Okay. Um, wow. While we were sort of like working out the kinks of moving into the chicken coop um, and also like bombing it with this like insect bomb every other day because that place is just like infested it was i think it was like not inhabited right before we moved in for okay. like a number of months so okay it was pretty gross um and wait wait when when did you move in there 2004 do you know what month i think it was i remember it being hot so it must have been the summer sometime before starting so i'm wondering school. if maybe you moved into the place that my ex-wife's family vacated when they moved to africa maybe uh because it, I, it was vacated it was around like 04 to 05 that yeah. they moved to africa and then i went to africa in 05 and oh no sorry oh shit oh no it was 03 shit i'm getting my years mixed up yeah it was 03 they, they went there in 03 yeah i went there yeah. in 03 and they they were there earlier that year shit but I think you might have lived in the same place, the same mm-hmm. building that my ex-wife and her family yeah. lived in. So uh, fuck, man. <laughs> small world. <laughs> small world when you're in the cult. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so I started sixth grade there, um, and I went to the local Red Hook School, the public okay. high school, yeah, yeah. or yeah. the public middle school. Um, and it was sort of like a reverse culture shock. So, you know, living in Korea for two years, um, I had by that point gotten used to it. Yeah. Um, and then to move back to America and like, especially like a kind of rural-ish area, mm. it was just complete reverse culture shock. And yeah. I was like not equipped to handle this as what, 12, 11, 12, 13. Yeah. Um, so I... I begged my parents to let me homeschool um, for seventh grade um, with the same company, with the same school, Laurel Springs, the distance learning. And I was like, you know, like I did it once already. Like 
I just I just don't want to deal with this like the sixth Mm. grade was like tough um and so during that time um I so two things one is I had a friend that I kept um from sixth grade like this one girl that I kept in touch with right throughout seventh grade while I was like homeschooling myself and her mother um she was from the former Yugoslavia okay and she had left she had been married at 15 to somebody in Yugoslavia and she had left I think before you know the wars broke out and came to America and she as a 15 16 year old had to figure out the language had to learn a whole you know had to learn English she didn't know any English she came to the U.S. with her husband, had to learn how to get a job, to learn how to, like, make and save her own money so that she could get out of this marriage by the time she was 18. And so she managed to do that. She was, like, remarried, and it was, like, her second husband okay. she had my my friend with. And so I remember just, I would go on, like, sleepovers with my friend and, like, hang out with her a lot at her house. And, like, um, and her mom knew my situation and knew, like, you know, that I was in this church and like I was really you know starting to be like what I don't want to be in this I don't want an arranged marriage I think Mm. that was like the main thing and she was probably the the person who was you know she would always talk to me about like you know like her experiences you know like being married Mm. off at 15 and having to come to a whole new country and like having to get out of it because it was like very abusive and like just not what she wanted clearly Mm. you know and and that was what I think drove me to be like okay I can do this too like I can get out and she was the one who was telling me like you know just just to hold on to your 18 then you can get out of here wow Um, it's awesome that you like yeah like that yeah yeah and so I think throughout you know throughout seventh grade I like more and more started questioning being like I actually really don't want to be in this at all Mm. um I remember I think it was I think it was between like seventh and eighth grade ish it must have been I my parents got me to go to this um uh it was it was up in maine it was like one of these church groups summer camp sort of things yeah. was Actually, it a fishing I, one i feel like they had a lot of fishing yeah, ones up in maine it was like a snorkeling one and like <laughs> okay that's that's one i haven't heard of <laughs> the, okay so the whole idea was that you would go and do the fundraising you know okay. selling okay, of pops. course of course yeah raise enough money to buy yourself afford a plane ticket and like camping money to go down to the florida keys and snorkel down oh, okay so it started in maine i was gonna say i don't you yeah, don't, so you, don't want to go snorkeling in maine so. <laughs> you went up to maine to do the fundraising and then you okay. like went down to the florida keys and like and so um yeah so i was and and before this you know i had been to camp shahakwa does that sound familiar to you Some, i've heard that name i've never been but that that's somewhere in like yes. kind of like yeah. new england area yes. like a- yeah so i had gone to shahakwa and like uh you know i explained my whole like thing with like sunday school with you but like yeah. even in these summer camps i was always i think maybe because i was an only child i was not into the teamwork thing i was like <laughs> 
like I was not a good sport I was like I don't want to play with you guys like I <laughs> like I don't want to be part of a team I don't want to do these group activities like that's not fun you know so like I was very hesitant and my parents were like oh like I think you should go to this like you know summer camp and I'm like oh like I hate group activities like mm. I hate I hate it <laughs> so I, I begrudgingly went and I had I honestly had a blast yes they mm. were labor trafficking us yes we yeah. were selling lollipops like in for hours in the middle how of much money can you make selling fucking lollipops I mean <laughs> I I was one of so I also did this in college like you sold lollipops in college okay so so total aside but <laughs> So, um, I was totally out of the church by college, you know, yeah. like not into it, but okay. like one of these guys that knew my dad who was in the church, who's like, Hey, like your kid can make six grand in six weeks. And like, obviously as a first year college student, I'm like, yeah, I wanna, yeah. yeah, that's a lot of money. That's yeah. a lot of money for college grad. Uh, when I calculated it out, it came out to something under $5 an hour. So (laughs) because I was working like 20 hour days and having like four to five hours to sleep a night. And so the whole thing that he did, he was in the Boston area and we had a hotel, me and like the, the girlfriends that I roped into it. Okay. Um, from college, I was like, Hey, like, let's make some money. And so like the whole thing was that like, (laughs) like, take, he would take a percentage and he would be like, okay, I need to donate, you know, like some whatever, 15% to like make it legit to the church. Okay. I need to donate that percent to the church, but whatever else, once I take my cut, you can keep. Okay. So the more we made, the more we could keep. Yeah. So, you know, like, I mean, yes, it was less than five. It was slave labor, but I made six grand in six weeks. I did. Yeah. Okay. And so like, it was more for my own benefit. So I was like, sure. Yeah. Fuck it. I'll do it um funnily enough one of my worst experiences was harvard so i what what, can i how do you how do you make what do you say you're just selling a lollipop how much do you charge for a lollipop sorry sorry i totally missed that it was flowers we were selling flowers oh okay okay Okay. i know the flower racket i've been there i've been there this guy was like getting the flowers from like florida shipped up to boston and it was like these wholesalers who like sold the flowers to like sam's club and costco so like wholesalers of wholesalers so he's getting like pennies a dozen yeah and he yeah and then you go sell a dozen for like 25 dollars or something like that yeah exactly and then so he would have these contracts with like local schools in the area for graduations and so Mm -hmm. if we had a contract that was totally fine you know we could go there ahead of time set up a tent set up a table be like you know the boutique like flower girls to like sell the parents flowers for the kids graduations high school and college graduations sometimes though they were not no permit free-for-alls yeah harvard was one of those and so and so we would have to do everything from like we would start at maybe like 6 a.m and drive to like the first place that was having a graduation that day he had like a whole schedule of all the graduations happening every day in the boston area we'd drive to the graduation like maybe hit two of them a day be like there like five anywhere from four to six hours each each graduation come back at night and then strip the flowers and put them into bouquets yeah 
them open to bouquets until maybe mm. like midnight or 1 a.m yeah i remember doing that i i did some mm-hmm. fundraising runs when i was mm-hmm. like when i was a kid like yeah. with some local fundraisers in the dc area and we wake up yep. fucking early yeah maybe like the night before up until the wee hours yep. like putting like like you say stripping them putting them into yep. bouquets and get them all yep. ready to go so yeah. by the time the morning comes, you got, yes. you got, you got like a van full of like yes. a thousand bouquets and exactly. you go just set them up on the side of the yes. road. And yeah. 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 So that's what we did. And we were, Jesus. In this, we were in the smoke. <laughs> we were living out of this motel for six weeks and the motel, like good for them. They, they took like vouchers, like state vouchers for like people who were homeless and like needed. Like, oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So like, we were in one room and like all the rooms around us this guy would rent out like several rooms and like a couple of the rooms would be like refrigerator rooms so he would crank up the ac all the way and like take the beds out and like the flowers the entire room would just be flowers yeah and then we had another room and our room the first year that i did this was next to this woman who i swear she had like i you know like that's what she did but she had like 10 kids and like three boyfriends and they were just in and out of the room all night and till like 1 or 2 a.m the kids are screaming and we're just trying to get to sleep at this point and we're like we have to wake up at 4 a.m it was it was a nightmare wow Um, but yeah so so we did that for six weeks and then and then (laughs) one of the times was harvard we had to like you know like we had our our little wagon that we like carried our flowers on and like i had my bag of teddy bears and like we would rubber band the teddy bears to the bouquet of flowers to like mm. have like a set yeah so you um, have like a, a bundle yes exactly so like we did that and like i was carrying you know like my bucket of flowers bags of teddy bears i had like a wagon in the other hand with like those those tubs that you put the the store the winter clothes in mm. um and like the filled with flowers so i had like two of those i think and i was just like walking around harvard i started getting harassed by a cop and um this (laughs) this cop was like you don't you know i showed him my boston permit which was fake because obviously the guy you know like that's what the church did they got like fake permits Mm. And, and so the cop was like that's not a cambridge permit like you need a cambridge permit blah 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 and so um, I call up my boss. I'm like, hey, like, what do I do? Like, he's like, go half a mile down the road and keep selling. I'm like, okay, <laughs> all right, okay. I'm sure this is very, very similar, if not a very tame version, by the way, of like whatever happened on STF. But yeah. I <laughs> yeah. think STF, the thing that I'm, I'm just kind of thinking about it, like, yeah. So I remember, so growing up in the DC area, Mm-hmm. we would uh, like around all the holidays so like valentine's yeah. day and mother's day and, and all and all this stuff like people would just start like they would go all in on selling yes. flowers on the yes. side of the road yeah my mom Grad- too. graduation wasn't really yes. a thing that i was aware of but i remember like there were some it was so fucking embarrassing i remember one time i was like i was uh, i was in high i think i was in high school i was either middle school or high school I was selling, it was like, everyone was just like selling flowers for the church, basically. So I was like a teenager. I got roped into selling flowers with some random church woman who was like 50 years old. Uh, and I was just like selling on the side of the road, uh, like kind of near, near my house, uh, near, near some kids that went to the same school as me. And like a friend of a friend of mine from school, this, this girl from my school 
was driving by oh, no. like with her parents and they were like wait I think I know that kid uh and so they they stop <laughs> her parents or like who were the mother or father or the, who was driving and this girl um stop and say hi to me on the side of the road and I'm like oh man oh no so fucking embarrassing dude oh she's cute too she was yeah <laughs> yeah she was she was maybe she'll listen to this someday you know who knows uh yeah she was cute very cute uh yeah like I yeah. had grown up doing that too you know like my yeah. mom would sell flowers for valentine's day or mother's day or something like that and like, yeah I would go and help her and um so I had a little bit of experience and so Harvard was one of the big days you know where you can make a thousand a day yeah and and I um I, you know, like, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I was just, like, screaming, like, flowers, flowers, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> really trying to get my commission there. Um, and there were so many other peddlers. They would, like, get into wars with you, you know, like. Get oh, really? Oh, wow. You oh, yeah. And then you'd like, have to, like, bring your wagon in front of them and, like, be like, this is my territory. Anyway. Wow. So, <laughs> so then around noon or, like, maybe 1 p.m., my, my boss gives me a call and he's like, I had continued selling, you know, moved half half a mile down the road, continued selling. And my boss calls me. He goes, okay, you need to run as far away from Harvard as fast as you can right now. And you need to stay off the main streets because the cops are going up and down the main streets and arresting anyone who has flowers. So I had to start running through these alleyways in Cambridge. I had never been here before. Okay, I'm like running with my wagon and my flowers and like through the alleyways and um for an hour I was lost for an hour and fi- and I don't know if my boss is arrested finally my like boss calls me and but your boss not so right because he's not a foot soldier he's not gonna be he's not gonna get arrested you're gonna get arrested so, so he finally calls me this was back um 2010s so okay. like before everyone had smartphones right yeah okay so so he was like okay you need to hide the flowers and walk to a main intersection so I can find you on the physical map, you know, like the map so I can drive to an intersection to find you and then like pick you up and go to the police station because he had his flowers confiscated. So I had to go like I went and he had his flowers confiscated. So he's going to pick you up and you're both going to go to the police station to get his flowers back. Yes. Yes. What the fuck? (laughs) Christ. I like hit all my flowers behind somebody's like bushes in their backyard. Oh my god. <laughs> like walk to an intersection. <laughs> so after that, I was like, I don't want to do anything that's like I'm gonna get in trouble. Like, I don't want to deal with the cops. Like <laughs> wait, so hold on. You left the flowers behind like someone's yard or something. Yes, yeah. Then did you go and pick his flowers up from the police station and then go back and find the flowers he, that you had hit? He- picked me up at the intersection i i directed him back to the flowers we loaded the flowers into his van and then went to the cops so and it's like this is this is like very tame that's the thing oh that's like that's like entry-level fundraising yes exactly and it's at least it's funny my god i didn't get like killed yeah exactly exactly oh my god and it's like this is the type of shit that they get kids into and obviously yeah. you tell any 18 year old like oh you can make six grand in six weeks who's gonna say no yeah you know yeah and and you know like 
yes, I did. You know, I put that into some my savings and that was good for me, but yeah. like that could have gone wrong in so many ways. You know? Yeah. Like getting arrested probably wouldn't have been good for you. Um, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, anyway, back to, sorry, back to like eighth grade when we went to oh, like, wait, hold on, this. hold on before uh-huh. you go there. My ex-wife is texting me back. Let's see. <laughs> she says, um, yes. Why? <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna write her back. Okay, I'm interviewing someone. Someone who ask her if she lived on the side with the balcony or facing the river. Okay, I'll ask her. Wait, you moved there in 05, you're saying? Oh four. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Did you wait? What did you say? Did you live? There was yeah, so there was one side that had a balcony, like not a balcony, but like a sort of deck. And then another side that had that was facing the mountains, the the Catskills and the river. I was on on. the side that faced like. So if I go, okay, did you live on the side with a balcony slash deck, or did it face the river, or did it face the river? Will that make sense to her? Yes. Yeah. Okay. If she lived in the same one, yeah, she's writing back now. Please tell me they got the okay K room. I don't know what that means. This room. balcony deck on shoot. They, they were in the balcony deck side. Oh, that's the other side. I lived on. I lived in the apartment opposite that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh wait. Oh, she says there was a Korean family on the riverside. So you moved into the riverside. You're saying yes. Yeah. So there was a Korean family there before you. Apparently. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Okay. All right. This is hilarious. It was a chicken coop. Um, she says she painted her room crazy pink, yellow, and baby blue. Um, but I guess you didn't live in that room because you were on the wrong oh, side. No. Yeah. Sad times. I actually, I, I painted my room crazy <laughs> okay. colors too. with dog paw prints everywhere. It gets better. No. <laughs> she, she just wrote me back. I always wonder who went in there after me. <laughs> Actually, no, it was it was a family with five boys. Well, oh, who went into the other side, the one that she would have been into. Yes. <laughs> yes. And like it was there wasn't that many rooms. Yeah. So they like, yeah. They were it was, it was there were four kids in her family. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm gonna write her back. She says a family with four boys moved into the house. Family with four boys. Wait, five boys, you said. Five boys, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was five boys. Moved into your place. Okay. Wow. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry. This is hilarious. Okay. All right. Okay. Enough about the chicken coop. Let's go back. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so in eighth grade, when I... So I had gone to do this fundraising thing um, in Maine and then yeah, and then we did the Florida Keys trip and like that, I think that was one of the, that was probably the only time in my entire life that I was like, oh, like I'm making friends with like people who are in this like cult. Um, That's because- really interesting because yeah, so you, like most of us, 
felt like we were <gasps> making friends. I mean, I, I, yeah. I have friends who I, like I met when I was five or six years old that yeah. I still talk yeah. to now that I grew yeah. up with in the cult. I, and, yeah, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, I did not. So like I especially I think when I moved to UTS, like because my parents wanted me to try to hang out with the, the president, you know, the president was um living and he had a bunch of kids and so my parents wanted me to like make friends with them and I just always got this like I don't know like vibe that they were just very judgy and I um probably fair yeah and I I mean starting you know starting from seventh grade like I went through this like punk goth phase and like i dressed in all black the good like, phase it's a good phase it is it is you I know can, i like, can't fault that i can't fault that <laughs> so like um and and i think i still like you know a little bit of me has it still but like yeah so mm-hmm. I, I hardcore went through that and like they were definitely were like who's this girl like yeah you don't want to deal with her um so i wasn't really into that but like when i went on this trip you know like i I met some I met some really nice people and I was like oh my gosh like you know what if this isn't what I have been thinking it is like what if there is some good sides to it yeah um obviously as soon as I left and went back to I so my that friend whose mom was Yugoslavian she Mm. that friend had convinced me she was like hey like you should come back to public school. Like, I miss you. Like, I would love to like wow. you know, hang out with you in school. So I, I finally, I was like, okay, eighth grade, I'll go back. So eighth grade, I went back. And then, um, so this was between seventh and eighth grade that I went on that trip. And then, you know, once I left the trip, I was like, no, like this was just a, a product of the environment, a product mm. of this like fantasy land, this like free for all summer camp where like you don't have to deal with the real world and like everything seems nice, you know? Um and so once I started going back to school, like going back to public school, um I was very much like I like fuck the church. Mm. I don't want to be in this. Like I um I started making friends with like the people who are going to like you know like the these like punk rock shows and Mm. like um I made a friend who like she would have these sleepovers and we'd like go and start drinking like her parents liquor out of their liquor cabinet and so like I started and like I went heavy into that so like probably by the eight end of eighth grade I was like binge drinking like pretty heavily like at least once a month um I was starting to smoke pot um I was just I was trying to escape you know like Mm. I I didn't want to be part of this church I started realizing more and more that it was like not normal it was taboo it was because like you know in in the UTS area there are quite a few kids in the church there's a lot it's like a hub of church activity yeah so I'm going to school with these kids and I'm like, you know, like, I don't want to be like them. Like, I yeah. don't want to be in this church. I don't want to be married. I don't want to like, I want to wear what I want to wear. Um, I remember at one point during ninth grade, my dad wouldn't let me go to school because of what I was wearing. Mm-hmm. And he like, he forced me to stay home. And I was, I think I was wearing like, you know, like a tank top and like probably these like short shorts, but like, I mean, that. I was like, you think that my, like, what I wear and how I appear 
is more important than the education that I'm getting. Yeah. Yeah. And that that really riled me up. Like that yeah. was that was really infuriating. Um, yeah. I so so in ninth grade, I think is so ninth grade is really when I start. You know, like I'm trying to do any drug I can get my hands okay. on. At the time it was like pills. Um, I was I was a nightmare child. I will admit, I was mm-hmm. I was pretty much a nightmare child. I would just like leave if i was pissed off um i would like i guess like pseudo run away like i just like get up and and, like walk out of the house and like go to like get a ride to my friends from somebody and like call up someone and be like can you pick me up and like go smoke with them and so i was not having it um in ninth grade i think my this sort of like really came to a head in ninth grade because i started getting these panic attacks and like it was for some reason it was around gym i have no idea why but like that was like that around was like gym, oh, gym is in like the gym, gym class. class yes okay. like that was like the trigger huh. but like okay. obviously it was like my entire life um, yeah that, and how did that, that like what mm-hmm. like how did that happen do you, do you know or like like what, what was that like like just kind of um so okay so there's an anxiety attack yeah which is when you feel very very anxious all of a sudden out of nowhere and then that is different from a panic attack okay a panic attack is when you literally feel like you cannot breathe like it it is akin to an asthma attack yeah i've 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 witnessed many of those amongst loved ones basically yes so and it's like you sort of just your mind just freaks out and it's like um and so the first few times I like went to the nurse and I was like, I don't feel well. And then suddenly there was this just explosion of like, I can't breathe. I'm crying all of a sudden. I can't control myself. And she's like, you're having panic attacks. So, so she had me talking to guidance counselors, you know, and I was like in and out of guidance counselors for like, definitely the first half of ninth grade. Um, frequently, I, it got to the point where it was like, I didn't want to go to class. Um, I didn't want to do anything. I just wanted to sleep. Um, mm. Very obviously, clinic like de- symptoms of clinical depression. Yeah. Um, I knew I needed a mental health help. I need. I knew I needed help of some sort. Um, I eventually told one of the, the school psych the school counselors like i didn't want to live anymore whoa um and that i had a you know like i had a plan holy shit um, and so the school you know their protocol obviously they have to send you to the hospital they have to like you mm. know send you to the psych ward and so i ended up going to the psych ward um and they called my dad up and they were like hey like this is happening like your daughter's getting sent here like you need to you know like meet her at the psych ward there and so um i was not there for more than like god maybe like eight to twelve hours but that was that was probably my rock bottom sitting wow. sitting at the psych ward is definitely not one of those things that you want to experience um and so i got put on you know heavy antidepressants and anti-anxiety pills and um and so like ever since then i've been on and off um psychopharmaceuticals um and so i think it was 
think it was after this point that and I was very terrified that like I like I think the arranged marriage part like how am I going to get out of this mm-hmm. was like the main driver you, of, like, so you think that was almost like 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 the deep-seated anxiety that yes, was yes underlying yeah. everything wow yes 100 percent. and so wow. that along with you know like I'd seen uh, at this point I'd seen two people already like get sent to chump young to like because they were yeah. bad because they were wrong and and uh, I didn't know what happened to them and so like that was there as well and so like I think after this like my dad realized like you know this this is an issue like this is this is really a problem you yeah. know like um I am having a problem with this and so um he sat me down at one point and he was like listen if you don't want to get married fine but you know oh. until you're 18 you need to pretend because we're in this you know we're in this we're on this campus we're we're on this you know property that is we're just surrounded by other moonies and yeah. like, you know what what is he gonna look like if if i'm the one acting out um wow and so that's like that's kind of awesome in in a way at least he, he gave you yes, an out yes he gave you yes, an out in did. a way that almost every, no one did. did and i mean it sucks that you're in that situation and you gotta pretend yeah. but at least you got an out yeah and and actually so before this um i think between like eighth and ninth grade i had gone to another summer camp um with this time with my sisters and on the west coast so camp tongil okay (laughs) sorry i'm just laughing at the name it's it's a pretty famous one i think okay i don't i've actually haven't heard of it but really yeah okay so wait tongue what is tongue they call everything tongue tongue means like Uh, like one world of art or some shit like that or like i think so i don't know it's like a korean catch it's like shimjong the fuck is shimjong or (laughs) or yeah um oh my gosh remember ilsung is it ilsung the real shim ilshim okay okay yeah anyway yeah. so so yeah, yeah yeah it's just like what the one of these random korean words like, like okay would there have been a difference between camp tongil camp ilshim or camp shimjong <laughs> tell me what would have been the difference between those three camps fuck all they would have been the exact same fucking thing so um so i remember between eighth and ninth grade like before i was like like fully outwardly rebelling um my sisters you know we had been like exchanging letters you know throughout our whole childhoods and stuff like that and like I had more and more been like questioning and been like you know do you really think this is this isn't this is kind of fucked up mm-hmm. like you guys like how how do you really believe in this and they um they were very very into it they were very indoctrinated and they were very like kind of trying to recruit me back into it i guess back into the church and they were like how could you think that way um and so i think my my birth parents last ditch effort to try to keep me in the church and um was was inviting me to this camp and like asking my adoptive parents if like they could bring me and like you know kind of force me to go do you think they they felt kind of a bit of like they still kind of felt like you were their kid and they yeah. and they wanted oh, you to absolutely. be like successful in the eyes of the church so so one of the biggest points of contention was that they blamed my dad my adoptive father for yeah. not raising me right because oh, i left the church and they that were is like, so we, fucked up bro we should have Fuck never that. 
we should have never given you her because like this is what turned out like you raised her wrong like you did a bad job and so Jesus Christ like dude it's bad enough to be giving your kid away but I know you know if you're gonna do it you got no claim on that kid after you do it I'm sorry you got I have been an object since birth to like be given as yeah. a ticket to have yeah it. a commodity you're, uh, <laughs> you're like more of a commodity than I was which is saying something so um, so um so yeah so my dad you know actually so this is how wild child I was before we went to this camp I pierced my own nose okay um, <laughs> nice that's so fucking baller I, that's sweet i have like i have you know i have like four piercings in my nose now but like one the first one that i yeah. ever did you know like i did it myself because i was like fuck it i don't want to go to this camp like yeah. i'm just gonna do this just to piss them off like just to <laughs> good <troll>. good yeah. <laughs> so, so i did this my dad's like my dad's like you need to cover that with a band-aid i don't want to deal with this <laughs> And so my parents, my birth, my adoptive parents accompanied me for the first few days of this Camp Tong Hill because they knew I would probably not be a good sport about it. <laughs> Wait, so they were like chaperoning you? There's like a bunch yes. of kids and you and there's these adoptive parents. Yes, because they were like, she's going to be a handful. I don't think you guys are going to deal with her very well. This girl is not going to play ball. We know that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I got there and... um. My oldest sister, like, I was wearing, so, like, by this point, I understood the, like, basic tenets, like, what to wear uh, in the church, you know, and, like, basic rules around it. It wasn't, like, when I was nine and it was, like, you're you're wearing something too revealing. Um, So, you know, I I pick and choose carefully, like, you know, like, what battles I'm willing to pit, you know, um, deal in. And I remember I was wearing this like V-neck shirt. It, I did not think it was revealing at all. These, yeah. Like my oldest sister goes, that's too revealing. You need to change. And again, it was just like this, who the fuck are you? Mm. <laughs> you know, they're your older like, sister. You need to listen to them. So I was, I wasn't happy again with like all the group activities. Yeah. I don't want to like, you know, I don't want to participate. I'm not a good sport um like don't get me wrong I do teamwork now you know with my job and stuff like that <laughs> like I can collaborate on papers yeah but yeah, like, yeah, no, yeah okay I, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard I, you just gotta say I, that for your boss yeah yes, that's cool. yeah, yeah. I don't want to play she's like super <laughs> team player yeah five out of play, five <laughs> I don't want to play <laughs> capture the flag with a bunch of like no I don't want to play capture the flag with a bunch of moonies like it's not my thing so so I was not into this and then I think like it came down to this like one night where my birth dad and my adoptive dad were like in an argument and my dad's like like she's not gonna listen like she's not like she's just she's not having a good time and so we sort of like made a deal with the director of the camp that I could be like this art I could help out with the art program like okay. I could be like the art staff so I didn't have to participate in like everything else with everyone else I could just like hang out in the art room and like teach the younger kids art and I was like okay fine I won't like make a fuss I mm. won't like I won't be a total bitch yeah if like if you'll let me do this you know so I spent the week or whatever it was I got through it um and 
I think after that, that was really like when I was just like, fuck it. Like I, that was the last straw. Like Mm -hmm. I am so done. Like I am so done trying to fit in. I am so done trying to like, I don't know, find something good in this, Mm -hmm. I guess. It's it's interesting because it's, um, and this is why I want to have these conversations because it's just so different for everyone. It's yes. like it's everyone had such a unique experience, like leaving. And you know, you, you know, you know what the, the funny thing is, like for me, it was very much it was like you know, Reverend Moon says this, but then he's doing this. Like this doesn't add up. It was like this kind of logical like th- mm-hmm. like thing. Whereas with you, it's like you were like, well, fuck it, I just don't want to get married. <laughs> like, 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 I don't want to marry some some motherfucker. <laughs> it was because, but like, yeah. you know, it's it, it's a yeah. different, and neither neither is right nor right or wrong or better or, or better or worse. It's just everyone has it has a different experience, yes. and yeah, and it's just real. That's why I want to have these conversations because yeah. I love love hearing like what other people, what got other people to that yeah. to that point, and it's like your your yours is like really unique. I mean, you know, you were like nine or ten years old where when no one ever asked me that question at nine or 10. Like, do you think this shit is real? Um, um, yeah. And I think, yes, I do think like getting out early was different for me. Cause yeah. I did like, I don't know. I really didn't know anyone else who got out as young as I did. You know, yeah. I was 12, uh, basically. Yeah. 12 that's crazy. That that's wild. Everyone else is like, it's like 16, 17, 18. Yeah. Like, like, you know, and- that's really early. And I sort of, I think a lot of it had to do with like my gut and like sort of like yeah. what what does this feel right? And you know, like I remember one of the speeches that Moon gave. That oh, I here we go. You know, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Where I was let's hear t- the wisdom. I was tuning in before I was like, "This is whack," and tuned out. But like he was talking about, I think this is one well known too. Like he was okay. talking about how like once people are you know quote unquote blessed and like married yeah. and like. They should be having like orgies with like their family. Yeah, and dude. Their yeah, you remember that? Oh, I remember the shit. I actually and talked about this shit. Yeah. I talked about this shit on a recent on a recent interview. I can. I, um, yeah. So wait, did he? Okay, I remember he was telling people like that if you were blessed by him, yeah, you should be having sex in front of your kids yes, and like yeah. in front of your parents. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I remember read. I remember be, reading that shit in Hundo K, like with my parents. Yeah. And I remember like kind of looking around at them and being like, uh, like <laughs> "So, are you all gonna bang now, or 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 not?" Because so like, because I know you up. love this guy. Like, but to me, like, I, I've thought of it. It's funny. I, I was I mentioned this to some other people I was interviewing, and like, yeah, we. I remember talking about that and being like, "Well, like this really fucking weird thing where I, I was because." <laughs> you would read you would sit down and read hundoke with everyone yeah, with your parents yeah. and your family and like i just i feel like there are a lot of moments where y- you would kind of look around at your parents and be like wait do you really believe this is this really is this really a thing are we really reading this like this guy's saying some really fucked up shit but a lot of it would just kind of like slide under the tip you just be like well yeah. what whatever yeah. but with that one that thing really stood out to me of like when he was saying like parents should fuck in front of their kids yeah and yeah. the kids should be happy to watch their parents fucking. Yeah. I remember, and I read my parents and I read that together. And yeah. I remember kind of, I just, it was a really weird moment just looking at them and being like, well, okay, you guys love this guy. Like, are you, are you going to do it? Not because like, I don't want to see that, but yeah. I'm just fascinated to see what you do with this information yeah. at, at this moment. Uh, and thankfully they never fucked in front of me. Getting God. <laughs> um, 
and you know like i had heard one guy told me about how he was like third generation or something like that but like his family had been in it for quite a few generations and he told me about how he like his father or his grandfather or something like um in his family like every morning before like the grandkids went to school or like the younger kids in the family went to school he would like touch them in their genital area and be like this is god's and like no one else can touch you and like that is full on child sexual abuse that That, is the definition of child sexual abuse and it's like a lot of this stuff is sort of you know like even i personally consider it child sexual abuse like even the speeches even bringing kids i i agree i i I agree 100 percent and yeah I think from a research perspective, it would be very interesting to see what the um, outcomes, like the the trauma symptom outcomes are long-term between people who have gone through this sort of, this form of sexual trauma in their childhood versus like children who, you know, the more traditional quote unquote forms of child sexual abuse, which is, you know, like molesting kids and raping kids. And like, I I do very much believe that there is a significant amount of overlap between the two groups. Correct. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I I agree. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's no matter where you, which way you look at it, this, this church has perpetuated abuse in some form or another against children, against adults. Um, And, and so, yeah, so I, I think I, you know, like at, and so what the other thing that I wanted to point out was, I think, uh, um, even though I got out at a young age, um, it did not, I don't want people to be like, oh, if only I had left earlier, because that's not it. That's not the case. You know, I still, I have gone through over a decade of therapy and yeah. I am still in therapy weekly, you yep. know, like I, me too. I only yes. started at like yes. three, four years ago, but I, I should have like, started a lot earlier, <laughs> but um, the problems aren't. Oh, that sounded that awesome. Much. This yeah. is like an ASMR type of it's, situation <laughs> here. Sorry. It's, yeah, no, it's <laughs> like, it's like, even though I left so early and like, you could say that I had like a, I don't know, maybe I got a taste of what a normal childhood was like. Like I was partying, I was drinking, I was like, yeah you know, doing all the drugs I could get a hold of, you know, like, I, I went a little crazy, you know, and, and even then, I still have a lot of issues that are brought up in, like, the Facebook group, and, like, that, you know, like, a lot of people say in terms of, like, relationships, and, like, and, like, relating to other people, and just, like, feeling like you're normal, it's, it's things that I all struggle with, and it's, like, getting out early does not, um exempt you from that yeah yeah what do you you think are some of the like how do you this is something that i I actually wish i had asked more people about this Mm -hmm. um because actually when i when i started thinking about this this podcast i wanted it to be like almost like a a playbook for like how do you leave a cult um yeah but then to get there i just started asking people about like how they left and then we just spent so much fucking time on that and and yeah but I'm also, I want to kind of like sort of migrate and like have more of those conversations on like, what does that look like? So I guess I'm kind of curious, like how, how do you think all of this has, has like impacted you in terms of 
how you view relationships, how you view success in life. I'm just kind of curious about that. Um, so yeah, like, you know, like I first got to agree, like this is, this is an area of research that I like actively want to, to get into and go into like extremism and like, how do you leave radicalization? How do you go from being radicalized to being, Mm -hmm. you know, not even like being radicalized from a state of unradicalization, but being born and raised into it, you know, and how do you leave that and like incorporate different beliefs into, into your, your belief system. And And I think, you know, like I have been, I'm coming up on my, I'm in my like third year of um, EMDR therapy. So that's, um, mm. oh, that's cool. I, yeah, it's, can eye you, movement. so I've mm. done EMDR, but if, you can have. you explain what that is? Can yeah, you explain what yeah. that is? I think that'd be cool. So, so it's, I, it stands for eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, I think it was founded in like, it was, it was sort of like discovered in the eighties by this woman named, um, I think Lee Shapiro or something Shapiro. Um, and so she realized like that this bilateral stimulation in your brain. So like most typically it's done with like a light that mm. sort of ping pongs from one end of a screen to the other end. And yeah. you sort of have to follow it with your eyes. Yeah. Personally, I find a lot more relief from um, um, physical EMDR so like Mm. I have these buzzers in my hands Mm. that I hold in either hand and one they alternate buzzes um so I feel like a vibration in one hand and then the other hand and so like it's and then they also have hearing so you can put on headphones and like there'll be a beep in one ear and then the other ear and so like the whole point is to have this like this bilateral stimulation in your brain going like the alternating from Mm -hmm. one side to the other alternating yes um stimulation while you're recalling these traumatic memories that you have that and and also all the bodily sensations that go along with it and all the like feelings that you get along with it and like and the the idea is that it is supposed to help you process it in your head Mm. and um i mean if you look at like the the clinical trials and like the literature on it there is you know like a ton of like a lot of these psychotherapies are not they don't have a very very strong evidence base you know and there are people who like are against it and are like well it, it's not you know it's not like that it's just something more simple it's a more simpler mechanism but um honestly from my own experience and from talking with people who have experienced it, it is a very very powerful tool mm. it is very powerful especially in processing traumatic memories yeah. and symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder which like you know like i would i would wake up screaming in the middle of the night constantly you know like people would have to wake like people that i was like spending the night with they would like wake me up in the middle of the night and be like you're screaming whoa um i'd like wake myself up from like night terrors um you know triggers flashbacks like dissociation where you feel like you're floating sort of like out of your body and like Mm sort of floating on top of you and like watching what's going on instead of actually being in your body like all these sort of symptoms of ptsd like this it really targets those and it really Mm. helps those and and you it has done um a remarkable it has like made a remarkable change in Mm. in just the past three years and being able to that's awesome yeah that's awesome. I mean, yes, yeah, so I, I always I mean, any chance I get, I recommend therapy, but yes. EMDR something that's come up a few times mm-hmm. and I haven't really dived into it, but 
is something that I've done. And so like, I'm just kind of curious how it works for you. Um, yeah. I've never actually spoken to someone else who's also done it, but so oh. for me, so yeah, the, the, my therapist who's awesome, by the way, and she, she grew up in a cult as well. Um, oh, wow. So, and that is awesome, by the way, if you can find a therapist who yeah. like, who understands yes. this shit, like it will fucking blow your mind how insightful they will be. Um, yeah, it, it's fucking amazing. If you can find a specialist therapist, it's, yeah. I, it's highly recommended. Um, yeah. But basically, um, like she does, like like you said, like the um, sort of bilateral uh, stimulation, but it's actually tapping. So you tap oh, like the one butterfly shoulder, taps. Yeah, yeah. You, you tap one shoulder and then the other shoulder. Um, yeah, yeah. And I so, actually recommend that. Like you know, if somebody's okay. having an acute like panic attack sort yeah. of thing, if you do this, if you do the yeah. butterfly taps, you know, and if you look up a YouTube on butterfly taps, mm, that is. Yeah, I didn't even know that was incredibly. the name, but that's just that's just yes. what she suggested doing. Um, and she'll kind of ask me to sort of kind of think about something that might be causing me anxiety or stress at the moment. And then, and then try to like, almost like to go back, like Mm -hmm. a couple, like, I I don't, it's hard to describe, but she tries to sort of like, like go from that moment of anxiety that I'm feeling now and tries to get me to like tie it back to like a point in my life when I was young. Uh, And then she tries to really focus on that, on that moment. Um, and for me, it's been a few, the, the fascinating thing is, and I, I had no idea before doing this, but like there are these moments in my life when I was growing up um, and I, I won't go into the specifics of them, but, but the overarching theme of all of them is complete negligence, complete parental negligence. So yeah. there are these moments where there was just no, that were traumatic for me where, and the reason, the reason they were tra- traumatic is because there's no fucking parent around, <laughs> no one to take yeah. care of me. Yep. Uh, like if, if any adult had been around in these moments, they would not have been traumatic, but yes. they weren't there. Um, and then she uses that. My therapist uses this device of like, um, you have this team of, I don't know if yours does this, but you have this team of resources mm-hmm. that will help you. Um, and they're, like when you're like sort of zooming in and like focusing on this like moment of trauma um you have these like these like resources uh like these people that you know and you trust like so f- like for me one of them is like is like Malcolm X uh one of them is uh uh Chris Hadfield the astronaut one of them is actually fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger as the Terminator um okay. but like you know in Terminator yeah, 2 yeah. when he's like my only job is to protect this kid um like yeah. that's what that's who one of my resources in is another one is a is a is a bulldog uh named named bruno who's a fucking beast and he i used to be, be one a dog of mine basically and he fucking look after me so but basically what happens is is at least on my side i'd be curious to hear, yeah. hear what happens on your side but like they kind of bring you back to that moment when something really traumatic came and then they're like okay what would malcolm x say yeah. to the parent that should have been there in that moment what would he do? And what would Bruno do? What would Bruno the bulldog do to come and like, and help you out? Um, yeah. And it kind of like, they, they, you, you almost like reprogram that memory to, to be, yeah. to have these fictional characters coming in mm-hmm. and like, mm-hmm. and, and being there for you in the way that you're the, the parents or the other adults weren't, weren't for yes. you in, in that moment. Yes. Um, yeah. So, sorry, let me just like stop there, but like, is that kind of how it <laughs> yeah, works no, for you? Um, I think that's very similar, if not um, the, uh, it's what's called internal family systems therapy, I okay. believe. 
Um, and so this is sort of the way that I, she frames it with me is that like, I have, you know, like my 20 something year old self or like an older mm-hmm. version of myself or like yeah. the angry version of myself or yeah. the, the like adult manager person of myself. Yeah. And like all these different parts of me yeah. that come together and it's sort of like, you know, there's different scenarios of like, Oh, like what would they say to each other? If they like, in this instance, if they were like all talking about the situation, like across like a family dinner table with each other and mm. things like that. And like, and you know, like, I think people listening to this, if they haven't done therapy, like the, like my first reaction was like, Oh, that that's stupid. Like role-playing. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to do that. Like, yeah, that's, no, no, it, it's, it, it, I agree. That would have been my, my first now, reaction. Yes, too. exactly. But the amount of help that this actually provides is incredible because mm-hmm. it really does. It really like therapists yes, it is hard to find a good therapist. I, I agree. Like, you yeah. know, like I've been through probably two dozen therapists mm. and I found maybe like a handful maybe yeah. two yeah like the te- past two especially have been like actually really good yeah but once you do like the more therapists you see the more you start figuring out okay this is what I'm looking for in a therapist mm. and the easier it is to find one that yeah. fits you yeah and once you do find that one that fits you it's like you it's it's incredible how much relief you can get yeah yeah and and i definitely think like you know parts therapy and internal system like family system therapy and like emdr all of this is like very very important and Mm. you know and these are things that people should know about and like i i think sometimes i sort of being in this mental health field i like sort of assume that everyone knows it already but it's it really isn't a lot of people don't i mean i didn't a few years ago yeah Uh, yeah. and yeah it's not i mean yeah and so you know like going back to when i was in ninth grade like i started seeing a therapist from when i was like 13 14 um and like on and off and like i mean ever since then i've been on antidepressants i've been i'm still Mm. on antidepressants now and like there are times like periods of my life that i have been off them but like yeah and yes, I, I was on them. I was on them for yeah. a while. I'm not. I'm and not afraid like, to admit that. Exactly, and it's like I think more people need to start coming out and saying like yeah. these are a tool yeah. that you can use, and it is yeah. helpful. Um, I, in terms of like what issues, you know, like I think definitely having a therapist for so long has been helpful. Um, but I still, you know, it's that doesn't mean like I escaped everything. Like I still mm. have problems, like forming relationships with people like I um I don't want anything to do with any sort of anything that comes near like a traditional monogamous like relationship because Mm. it's like you know I grew up seeing my parents fighting all the time they never really liked each other and it's like I'm sorry you're you're saying that this is an ideal family like it doesn't look anything near so fucking bad isn't it like so fucking bad (laughs) Like, we're ideal because we say we're ideal like no you <laughs> motherfuckers are not ideal like, come on and it's like so many times as a kid you know like like as a kid i'd be like why don't you just get divorced like why <laughs> like crazy. if you're fighting you this much like, like, God. like it's, yeah. so it's like and and so like i definitely don't want you know for better or for worse i don't want anything to do with that mm. i you know i've been much better the past like 
past year past two years that I've been doing EMDR therapy but I still Mm. struggle with like a lot of like substance abuse issues and like Mm. you know when you like I started binge drinking at 13 like I started doing drugs I started smoking pot like this has been an ongoing thing for over a decade now Mm. and it's like you know like in my early 20s there was a period for a couple of years that I was like going out and getting blackout drunk every weekend and it's like you don't this this has mental health impacts long term yeah, it does um it does and this is why i want to study what i want to study and like mm. this is why i want to get into this field and like i think even more so now um you know we see like all around the world with like i, I started reading actually the the cult of trump mm. um it was written by steve hassan i haven't read that yet but i know steve hassan well I know yeah yeah yeah, so it's actually very interesting because he makes a lot of compar- comparisons between Trump and Moon, yeah, um, and the way that they, you know, did their mind yeah. control and like yeah. use their techniques. And it's like this is not something that's like confined to something, you know, just cults like this taboo, like oh, fringe group. Um, oh. No, these are this is ISIS, you know, yeah. like white supremacy like the Ku Klux Klan yeah like, yeah they, know, they is, use the same toolkit yes that that was used to control happening. our parents and control us exactly and and even you know like once I started taking this human trafficking and modern slavery mm-hmm. course like that's when yeah. it really started you know like because because the definition of human trafficking you know like like ratified by the UN and like all these countries it's like it's not even what you think of in your head of like, oh, like somebody was kidnapped against their will mm. and taken to another country and, you know, sold for sex. And it's, it is people who, you know, transportation technically does not even have to be involved. Transportation across state lines or across borders does not even have to be involved yeah. in order to consider it trafficking. So- it is. Well, yeah, so what's the definition? And does that mean we so, were human trafficked? So, okay, so like, according to, there's this thing called the Palermo Protocol, which was, you know, like just ratified in Palermo, Italy with okay. the UN and a bunch of UN nations, you know, coming together and be like, what is this? How do we define this? And and so they define it as, um, so one, it has to meet three different conditions. One is an act so either recruitment transportation is one but that doesn't have to be involved it can be transfer can be harboring or receipt of persons okay um that has to include a means so like using threats or using coercion or using deception manipulation abduction fraud and then there has to be a purpose so there has to be exploitation forced labor sexual sexual exploitation um slavery similar like practices similar to slavery like servitude things like that and and also if you're under 18 the means so this use of deception use of threat use of force does not need to need to be there in order to consider trafficking because you're under 18 and so by definition the unification church has it is all trafficking. It is all human trafficking. Like, you know, just 
the the labor trafficking this is this is ev- like you know when you think of the typical like mafia family you know like it mm-hmm. has been done you know human trafficking labor trafficking sex trafficking child labor child marriage forced marriage forced child marriage like fraud money laundering like the church has been involved and continues to be involved in all of this and tax evasion just 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 and 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 a lot of the time like even in situations with with sex trafficking and pimps in the u.s and Mm. their their victims don't even know they don't even realize you know that they're in the situation because like they just get manipulated and coerced into this and they just think that that is that's what life is you know they just get used to it and and that doesn't make it any less bad that doesn't make it any less of a trafficking situation that doesn't you know and so and and you know like we've all heard the rumors of how moon would you know like give these filipino women like traffic these filipino women over to korea to give them as wives to like his korean you know leaders or buddies or like whatever and like that is you know even and it's hard because like as much as i don't get along with my mom as much as like i had a hard time you know relating to my mom it's like when you start to think about these things in terms of like okay she was japanese brought to the u.s as a missionary didn't speak any english married off to an american like how what would you do if you were in a trafficking situation like this is trafficking like she was trafficked what would you do in that situation when you don't even speak the language of everyone around you yeah and and you know like i one of the things that i did while i was in london was i interned as an assistant psychologist for this um complex ptsd clinic and like Mm. i was working with these like you know survivors of of sex trafficking and torture and like a lot of them were were trafficked into the uk by like family members and and jesus like they just like us yeah they didn't just like us like they didn't understand they didn't know who to go to and and what to even do that this was even not normal until you know like after they had been in it for decades and like they somehow got out and it's like a lot of the time this is something that we need to be educating people more on and and talking about and um i think it's it's becoming more and more of an issue as like you know we see an increase in like um this mass migration and mass mortality that's yeah. happening because of wars across the world yeah. I mean, which you know yeah. the people are more there's many more vulnerable people yes. who can be exploited yes. yes and 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 a lot of you know like what one of the main things that i took away from this course was that like human smuggling is really you can't look at human trafficking without looking at human smuggling because mm. a lot of the times these like it is migrants and it is people fleeing conflict situations that are like okay like my last resort is to pay someone to get me into a different country and then along the way they happen to get traffic because into a situation that they did not consent to that they are not okay with because what like you know that's just so easy to fall into Mm. and and it's just happening more and more and i think that like we need to spread awareness about this and this Mm. is why you know that's that's why i started like i at this 
after I heard back, you know, from that PhD program that like, you know, like we would like to see a bit more of your vision. And I was like, you know what, like I need to start speaking out because like yeah. what I'm seeing in the work that I want to research and what happened to, to me, to my parents, to everybody else that I knew growing up, this is happening on tenfold everywhere yeah. else around the world. It's all the yeah. same trafficking, you know, cults, undue um coercion and influence and high demand groups like terrorism extremism like this is all within the same umbrella they're all linked right yes they are and and so yeah so this is something that like i think in the next 10 20 years is going to become a major major problem yeah well Um, it already is a big problem now but it's going to get worse yeah fuck man um God damn. Um, I'm just, uh, well, I think I'm going to have another drink. Um, <laughs> um, would you like to have another shot with me? Cause <laughs> I just feel like that might be necessary. Um, uh, but don't do it if you don't want to, but oh, no. yeah. Okay. All right. That's what I'm or, talking about. Um, my fourth. <laughs> um, Jesus Christ. So, you know, what's, you know, it's just, kind of sticking out to me is that like okay let me take let's take this shot and then we'll and then i'll tell you what's sticking out to me i'm loving the this the idea of like the the like everyone just like hearing like boom. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there's a shot around you can probably hear that in the microphone um okay here we go bombs away cheers all right Um, so you know what's what's crazy is so okay if you think about your birth family it's fucked up like it's really fucked up that there's like your birth family and your adoptive family Jesus Christ the fuck Jesus that's really fucked up but um, so your birth family all the kids are still in the church yeah pretty much Um, my so the oldest got all of them are married now okay. even the Presumably the people in the church yes well okay so the one that's older than me got married to a mormon oh damn yeah why a mormon because <laughs> i mean you know like you call hop so if wait, you're not they, in the they, church are they a mormon now uh, i don't know i mean okay. i haven't i don't discuss that okay, yeah that, yeah i mean don't like go there like, like you don't want to like yeah um <laughs> now someone i was, mean if they hear this you know like welcome yeah. to come and discuss it with me I will yeah yeah yeah. Come, yeah say um, my thoughts you know like i am very open like i have you know the younger one uh i think i found out like we were talking and like she was like oh yeah we all voted for trump and i'm just like <sighs> I'm like, do you realize, oh. like, I just, I, I sort of blew a fuse, which, like, yeah. yeah, you're not supposed to do when trying to, you know, like, talk sense, I guess, quote-unquote. Like, I struggle with this so hard. I do, too. To be honest, like, trying to, like, I, I know, like, because it was so going back to like you know um the cult of trump and like steve yes. Hassan and yeah. his work like yeah. basically like that man has an enormous amount of patience because yes. his whole thing is like you know try and meet them if someone's in a cult try and meet them where they are try like don't the conflict if is not going to help don't don't present them with 
evidence that yeah. uh, that you know yeah. conflicts with yeah. their worldview but that's what I do if if yeah. <laughs> like like I have family members who are into all this cube cube bullshit and yeah. I'm like look at these like 10 things that are like 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 factually incorrect yeah. and then yeah. they just go fucking ape shit with me which is not the right thing to do so I'm yeah. kind of with you on that where yeah I just I, I don't have the patience to like meet them where they are even though I know it's counterproductive I can't do it yes because I don't want to no. suffer fools I'm sorry y'all <laughs> motherfuckers are fools <laughs> like, this is this is when I like I mean I knew before but this is when it sort of solidified that I was like I cannot be a clinician like I do not want to be a therapist sitting you don't have the patience for that shit I do not have it I want to I want to do it I want to do the research side of it I want to you know I want to help but like I don't want to talk to someone yeah so So yeah, no, like it was, I mean, at this point, you know, like I, I let her know, like, I was like, I think you guys are brainwashed. Yeah. And like, I think you guys are just cult hopping and and it's really sad. It is. Yeah. What do they say? Um, I mean, she, I think she took it well, you know, she was just like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry that you feel that way. You know, like um, one of the things that she said to me was like, you know, like um, I think the way that I do because of my education the way I was raised and you think the way you do because of you know your education the way you were raised and it was really like it brought me to if you've read Tara Westover's book Educated I haven't but a lot of people have recommended it to me actually I was just talking about it with someone I want to read that like that's like high on my list of books yes so it was it was very good um I it's about this one this woman now who I'm she she went to cambridge she went to harvard yeah like she um she was raised in this very fundamentalist mormon family and like never even went to school and like you know by the end she's like i realized that there was this whole world out there and Mm. and, like i call it an education like i call it like what the learning that i received was an education and it's like um you know it's it's well known that the u.s is not not very good with education when it comes to educating and like you know it very much varies by region but like big time yeah we are really behind in in making sure that every person in the u.s is um fully educated and understand science and and i think that religion has a lot to do with it and i think that this will yeah like um i think for me i i stopped having such a hard time you know being upset about like the state of politics as it is now in the u.s when i started realizing that like the u.s is not the democracy that it claims to be it is it is it is actually a theocracy yeah. It is actually along the lines of of this sort of like theocracy of of a colonialist nation and yeah. um and you know that that was very I think it's very mind opening and and religion in this country like so many people I think are afraid to say like oh like we should you know like freedom of religion is such a big thing in the U.S. and such a like put on a pedestal and it's like. But at a certain point, 
it is not not it, we're not talking about freedom of religion anymore we're talking about extremism yeah and look, like like freedom of religion the, the fucking unification church hides behind freedom of religion yes yes it, 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 that, that idea yeah. enables fucking fucking human trafficking mm-hmm. sexual trafficking labor trafficking all this mm-hmm. sort of fucked up shit all the abuses that you've talked about is all enabled by hiding behind religious freedom um mm-hmm. that's that's how these these organizations survive and there's a there's a thousand other ones like the unification church that that hide behind that right um and it's funny for me like i mean so i grew up in the u.s but i moved to england 15 years ago and um you know this country actually has a state religion the church of england the anglican church Mm -hmm. is this is technically the state religion here and yet you never hear religion mentioned in in political debates here um yeah and this country still has a lot of problems politically but at the end of the day it's fascinating to me the fact that this country has despite technically having a state religion they've been able to disentangle the religion from politics in a way that the u.s which claims to have a separation of church and state has so patently failed at doing there is Um, not a separation of church and state and it's like and you know like i understand if you are putting certain morals into law there are certain things that we can all agree on don't kill somebody else yeah. like don't it's, kill innocent kids yeah it's not that like, fucking hard you know but, and yeah. and so actually to be honest like one of the one of the like i don't know commandments or tenants or mm. whatever like of of groups that i have that has spoken to me the most or that i agree with the most is um the satanic temple it's it's oh i love those guys i want to be i i haven't i i I feel like i need to pledge some money to them yeah no no i donate to them all the time because it's like um, shout out to the satanic temple yes yes. it's it's they you know they use the satanic temple as a name to just troll like the christians yeah exactly exactly it's It's great it's fantastic yeah it's a political organization that is against child abuse like for the separation of church and state and they do like you know put a lot of money into lobbying for separation of church and state and they have these like i think it's like eight tenants or something like that that they wrote up on their website you can go look it up and it's like very fundamental things like don't be an asshole like exactly (laughs) like like, listen to the best that science has to offer you yeah and like use these tenants as a guidelines but don't strictly adhere like you know don't make them your entire life and like just very common sense things that it's like okay like if every human listened to this yeah we would all be better off right <laughs> let's be honest we would all be better off um, um yeah. but no, actually so the, the the thing that i wanted to go to is that like basically the reason i ask about your birth family mm-hmm. is that it it's kind of it sounds i mean this whole offering child thing is fucked up for yeah. a lot of reasons yeah. But it sort of sounds like maybe at the end of the day, you're better off, like, because of your, uh, like, 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 if you had been stuck, if you'd been in that family, I, I shouldn't say stuck, but like, if you'd grown up there, oh, absolutely. maybe you wouldn't have had all the realizations that yes. led you to leave yes. this cult. Absolutely. You so I, that's mind fuck. Yes. That's a yeah, mind no. fuck. Absolutely. I 100% believe that like, you know, like if I had not gone if I had not been offered I 
would not have had the privilege that I did. I would not yeah. have had the opportunities that I did. And I, yeah. I understand that I am very, very, very lucky. Yeah. You know that. Um, and I, you know, and, and, you know, it might be the opposite in some families, you know, it might be that the yeah. birth family left and that the adoptive family is still yeah. in it. And so like, there's so many different situations and I just happen to be on the lucky end of it. And, um, but yeah, like this whole idea of like, um, this idea of if it weren't for the church, if it weren't for Moon, then I wouldn't be alive right now. You know, like there wouldn't be a reason mm. for my existence yet. Um, I'm here you know mm. and and i no longer want to kill myself so like yeah. that's something you know yeah. and um but if i could i i've thought a lot about that like like what do like yeah i wouldn't be here if it wasn't for moon yeah you know yeah. Do, so do i owe him any any fucking gratitude no. and and uh, the analogy that i've come up with is um think about world war Two. think about think about adolf hitler like how many people immigrated, just left Europe, went to the U.S. or went wherever? They just fucking left Europe because of Adolf Hitler, and then they met someone, and they had, and they they got married. They you know they 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 had kids, right? And all of these kids, you know, millions of people were 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 created, and you you could make the argument that that they are in existence because of Adolf Hitler. Um, now, do do any of them owe any gratitude to fucking Adolf Hitler? No. Uh, and we do not owe, yeah. any grat- owe any gratitude to to Sun Myung Moon by the same by the same token. I, I think it goes further than that. And that, yeah. like when I was, you know, when I was 12, 13, getting at like leaping this and I. um, I, you know, like I was miserable for years at that point because I was yeah. just so angry about everything that happened. And um, I got to a point where it was like, OK, you know what, like if there is a god then fuck him i don't owe him shit because he made my life this way and i don't i don't need to worship him like you know he doesn't he doesn't get anything from me and and also if there is a hell and if i'm gonna go burn in it then i would rather be there than have my life be the nightmare that it was yeah so yeah like no i i totally agree with you it's like it's like just because we're here doesn't mean we have to be gra- grateful or yeah. for gratitude yeah. to some some other being that might have yeah, created so like I, I i have a decent life i'm happy to be here yes but i don't owe that shit to reverend fucking yeah. moon fuck that <laughs> fuck that guy so hard uh like he has caused an un, unimaginable amount of misery in my life and other and other lives yeah i mean one of the assholes. things i have recently been exploring you know like with therapy and everything has been like you know like why why is it that i have this like drive to do something related to like the way i was raised now you know like like giving back in Mm. in this way and it's like is it because i feel like my life had no purpose like it has no purpose Mm. if it wasn't you know because it was like it was created for the sole purpose that i clearly didn't fulfill and yeah. so therefore do i need to feel like i i have to be completely like so um productive all the time you know? mm, i know and, what you mean yeah mm-hmm. and it's like i think you know in high school i was even though my dad said like you know like if you don't have to be if you don't want to be married in this like 
you don't have to be like I still I mean I was like 14 13 14 when he said that to me so it's like you don't fully believe that like you Mm. don't I wasn't taking his word for it you know like I was like I still had it this in me that like if I if they ever find out how bad I am then they would send me to Chumpyong they would you know marry me off I wouldn't have a few like even if not like what am I gonna do at 18 you know like what like am I just gonna get a job at like whatever anywhere I can and like you know try to make ends meet and it's like I think that fear is what drew like I had perfect days in high school I had perfect days and almost Mm. perfect days in like college and it's like I knew that if I did not do well and you know like get a perfect score in everything in high school despite me like smoking six times a day and like Mm. that I would not get out and like I knew like my only ticket out was was getting into a good college like Mm. being able to make a life for myself and it's like so that basically so far has you know driven me to the point that I am now where it's like what else do I have if not this I think that's interesting, though. I'm, I'm just kind of thinking of like, you know, the kids, the kids who are younger than us, you know, I feel like a 15 year old kid, you grew up in this bullshit, and you're listening to this. And, you know, they, they could listen to it, you know, this year, or it could be five or 10 years from now. And mm-hmm. and this is the beauty of the internet is like, this shit's just going to be available for a long ass time. Yeah. Uh, and someone could listen to like, they could be 10 years old now, and then listen to it in five years when they're 15. Um. But I do think, I think that's an interesting point of like, you know, you, you can only control the controllables in your life. And if one of the controllables is like performing well academically, and that gives you, gives you a route out of this fucking cult later on, then yeah, you should fucking do that to, 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 to help. And, and you, you don't have to, you know, become a, you know, you don't have to do academic work about cults. You don't have to fucking you know, start a podcast like I've done or, or, or whatever, but like, but like you can just better your life yeah. just by like performing yeah. well within the sort of structures that, you know, good performance leads to, to good things down the road in, you know, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I just, I just want to like, I don't know. I just yeah. want to paint that picture for that 15 year old. Who's like, how oh, the fuck am I doing? It's like, it's like, yo, just fucking kill it in school. Mm-hmm. And then just fucking, you know, go make a shitload of money doing whatever and fuck your parents, (laughs) Um, you know? And I think even like, you know, one of the things that when I was, when I was a kid in Korea, I would constantly be like, oh, I just wish I was happy. Mm. Like, I wish I could get to a point where I was happy. And you know what? Like, I can say that now. Like, I, you know, I'm at a point in my life where I can like afford good therapy Mm. weekly. I can afford anything, you know, health, health issues. Like I can afford Mm. to pay for that. I Mm. live in a wonderful house. I have the most supportive roommates, the most supportive friends. Like Mm. I have a good job. I have a career ahead of me. It's like, I am at the point where I can say, yeah, I am happy. I am truly happy. And it's like, even if you're working, you know, at McDonald's and, you know, like whatever, like you're living with a bunch of friends, like, if you're happy then like you made it like you yeah exactly out of the cult. you're yeah. you're thinking for yourself yeah you are not controlled by somebody nobody else is like taking 30 yeah. percent of your income yeah you know um so yeah i would i would definitely define that as success you know just getting out yeah. of having the free will to to decide what you want to do yeah 
Yeah. Um, I think that's really important. And I think everyone like, well, not everyone, but it's easy to sort of get stuck in the, in the group's definition of success. And then it's, you go through this process of trying to redefine that success on your own. Uh, and yeah, I agree. If like, if, if you're happy, then that's what matters. Um, that's pretty much all that matters. Yeah. Um, all right. I think I should start wrapping up over here. It's yeah. getting late. It's like, yeah, it's nearly 1130 my time. Um, do you have anything else you want to, you want to say or anything else you want to, you want to cover? Oh man. Um, no, I think I basically covered my whole life you know yeah man yeah yeah you did well i'm trying to think hold on i got these notes over here um it was a lot (laughs) yeah there was a lot um yeah no i think like this was really good i think it was really good um yeah and it's really interesting like because yeah you kind of left like way early man Mm -hmm. it's like that's crazy that's Mm -hmm. that's really good um I'm really happy to hear from someone who left it like, like early, like, fuck. Yes. Get the fuck out. Like, yeah. yes. Yes. Yeah. Motherfucker. And like, it did uh, have, you know, its own challenges, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, I would like to, so one of, I know you like, you know, have people talk about or shout out themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, no, man, man, the floor is yours. <laughs> At the end, um, I think the first thing that I would definitely want to highlight, you know, before before we end this is that there is a um, national suicide prevention helpline in the U.S. So, um, and the number is 800-273-8255. And again, that's, that's 800-273-8255. That is in the U.S. Um, it helps uh, people within the U.S. It's 24-7. I have called this number as a teen myself. Um, I have spoken with somebody on it many times um, when I have been in situations where, like, I just, like, needed somebody to get me through the next hour. And so if anyone's out there listening and needs it, then that is, that's something that you got to call. And people are there and somebody's there. Um, I think definitely, you know, like as my Yugoslavian friend's mother told me, you know, like there is a way out. She made it out. Um, I made it out. Um, and then also I am, you know, I'm actively doing research. I'm at Harvard now. Um, I'm looking into PhDs for my future. I, you know, I'm going to continue on this academia research track. So if anyone wants to collaborate, um, I'm easy to find online. Enrica Christopher, you can find my email, um, all my info's out there. So yeah, that's probably about it. Boom. Amazing. Um, thank you so much. I'm, I'm really glad you mentioned that, um, telephone number. Um, that's really good. Um, I'll put that in the show notes as well. I might even try and put together some like international resources for that as well. Uh, Um, cool. Well, thank you so much. All right. Um, I'm going to press stop recording, but we can keep talking. Okay. Uh,
folks, I want to say thanks to Rika for bringing to bear her personal expertise on this concept of trafficking. It's something that a lot of people aren't familiar with, and in addition to the links to the suicide prevention resources that Rika mentioned, I'm also going to include a link to the Human Trafficking Foundation that's based here in the UK where I live. And on that website, there is a page that outlines the fundamentals of the issue of labor trafficking. And I'm going to read you a little bit of what I found on that page. People rarely self-identify as a victim of trafficking or slavery or easily reveal their experiences. Victims may not self-identify as a victim of trafficking for a variety of reasons, including but not limited to fear of reprisals from their exploiters, the impact of trauma on their ability to recall and disclose their experiences, stigma, and an unwillingness to consider themselves as a victim. They are also unlikely to be familiar with terms such as trafficking or modern slavery. If any of that resonates with you, you might want to check out this website. Again, the link will be in the show notes. The Human Trafficking Foundation also specifically lists labor trafficking. And this is the example that they give to describe what labor trafficking is. A man named Mike lost his job during the financial crisis and was sleeping rough when he was approached by two men. They offered him work near London. He was taken to an old dirty shed with a tin roof where he was to live, shared with another man. Every day they were picked up by a van at 7 a.m. They spent the day knocking doors, asking people if they wanted any work done, such as digging patios or making driveways. They were picked up at 9 p.m. If they didn't get back in time, they were beaten. Mike and the other man were all afraid of the beatings and worked six days a week unpaid. When one of the men tried to escape, he was beaten with a spanner. Mike was rescued in a police raid. He described how all the workers looked skinny and unwell, as if we had all been in a concentration camp. Uh, Everything that's in that paragraph, with the exception of being beaten, I have witnessed doing fundraising work for the Unification Church, as well as, I would guess, anyone else who was in this group experienced as well, and we've talked about a lot on this show And if you take out the bit about being beaten with the spanner and think about all the layers of coercion that are built into this supposed faith, and you think about some of the other definitions on this human trafficking foundation resource that point out that coercion does not have to be physical, you can use any other method of coercion, then you can pretty much replace that description of beatings with psychological coercion of any type and winner winner chicken dinner you have the definition of labor trafficking if that resonates with you again you may want to look at this resource for help and i would also like to thank rika again for helping shed some light on this topic it was a pleasure speaking with rika I hope that was illuminating for you, and I hope you will stick around for the next episode of Falling Out. That's coming out in two weeks' time, and it will be my first interview with someone from the queer community that grew up in the Moonies. And if you've been paying attention, the Moonies are not kind to queer folks.
I hope you'll stick around for that one. And thanks again for listening to this one. Thank you to Teddy Hose for the graphic design. Thank you to Nikki Liu Ko for the portrait work. And thank you to Donna Cervelli for helping with the production of this. Take care. Stay safe, y'all. I'm out.